0: It is now recording. I'd assume we'd probably have some kind of
1: intro music at this point, but...
0: Yeah, it's um, true, should work on that.
1: Yeah, all right, so...
0: Hello and welcome to the Story X Story podcast where we discuss stories across pop culture plus give you advice on creating your own. It's a special episode. We're at 100. We're now members of the triple digit club, if that's a thing. If not, uh, we just made it a thing and we are the sole members. (laughs) But I am your co-host, Nigel.
2: I am Tazi, a content creator and co-host.
0: And It is just us for today. We started this podcast with no guests. Um, we are doing episode 100 with no guests. It's come full circle, hopefully not a complete circle, maybe just one of those circles that keeps going around and around and around, but we're here. Me and Tazzy are going to be doing a deep dive into a story as hopefully you've come to expect and then yeah reflecting on 100 episodes like we made it to 100 also just to say that the audio clip that you heard um, at the beginning the very beginning of this episode before the intro was the very first thing Lau my my co-founder and I did Uh, so we started this because Lau for ages said let's do a podcast we should do a podcast and I for most of that time said "Eh, mm, okay fine let's do something So we recorded an episode on Captain Marvel, which still to this day has never been released. And that is the intro to that. So I thought I'd let people hear that and see where we've come from. Obviously, we've got a new host. Um, Loud didn't transform, just (laughs) just stepped (laughs) down, Uh, Tazzy stepped in.
2: Yeah, so this is technically my 95th episode as co-host, but 96th episode altogether because i was associate with the
0: podcast (laughs) yeah Yeah. we're going to get into the the history and the milestones of of this episode (laughs) so after we do the deep dive so we're going to do that because that hasn't changed you can subscribe to story x story that hasn't changed either we are on apple podcast uh, on spotify pretty much wherever you get your podcast from and as always you can send us your feedback and questions to feedback at myamada.com Throw them at us on social media. We are at MyMatter on Twitter, at MyMatter TV on Instagram and TikTok, and at Tazzy on everything. You can also join the My Matter Discord. So you can be there, be part of the My Matter universe, and meet other people in the community. So on top of that, you can consider becoming a Studio77 member to support the work that we do at Myamatder and also get exclusive access to events and artwork. And games as well, because uh, we do that from time to time. Before we get into today's story discussion, we want to update you with the latest from the My matter universe. And we have we have a bunch of things. I feel like the weather is coming. Well, actually, that's that's actually a lie. The weather in the UK the, the
2: weather, weather right. is is not weathering. I don't know what it's yeah. doing. We're
0: regressing. <laughs> I don't even know why I said that. I was just like. <laughs> proper aspirational um, (laughs) not based in reality anyway well maybe when this
2: episode comes out like it would
0: have stabilized hopefully let's fingers crossed like by the time they're listening to this uk weather um has stabilized and hopefully the weather is good wherever you are regardless of the weather we have a new series called casual conversations with comic creators where every month I am speaking to a different comic creator about their work, about the process of making their work and highlighting the the people, the human beings behind the art that we all enjoy. Uh, So you can catch the VOD of my conversation with filmmaker and comic creator, Marius Smuts, who is someone I met at different comic conventions and am also in a film that he made, which I almost forgot that that happened until I was putting the notes together uh, for that discussion. Next month, I will be speaking with Dutch creator Renee Rientes on Tuesday, the 3rd of May, about her work and her Kickstarter, uh, which is launching in May. So uh, definitely check that out on Twitch and follow us so you get that notification there. Um, also on Twitch, will be our next games night so every month we get together with studio 77 members to play different games it has become watch us learn to play games usually watch us learn to play games badly but i feel on the last one we all kind of we picked up pretty quickly which is a testament yes. to the game
2: very quickly it was like at the beginning i was like miles ahead of everyone Yeah, in,
0: yeah. <laughs> in
2: skill and then hard. like midway through it was like oh no everyone's caught up yeah. <laughs>
0: It was cool. I have we to get all came serious. With different strategies as
2: well. Yeah, it was cool. Really good one. And
0: Tassie put her foot down uh, at the end, so um, you can catch that <laughs> and highlights. We'll work on getting some highlights on YouTube. Um, but our next games night is Halo. So we're going to be playing Halo Infinite. Um, it's been a while since I played a Halo game, so this will be interesting for me. I wonder if it's like riding a bike. We will see. <laughs> But that will be on Thursday, the 28th of April from 7pm BST. And we'll be playing along with Studio 77 members, like I said. And you can watch along uh, and join us in the live chat uh, and see how that all goes down. And we have the next Spring Gamepad Online event. um, That will be also on Twitch on Saturday, the 9th of April. So it's coming up quick. We'll be bringing you the Friendly Fire competition. Speaking of Knockout City, uh, we have teams that will be playing knockout city brawlhalla and rocket league we'll also be doing uh, industry interviews and uh, giving away a t-shirt from our campaign so make sure you check that out we'll also be talking more about the campaign and uh, what's to come for that We've got some very cool plans and like people who are involved so definitely be there uh, live is hosted by Tazzy. you can sign up for uh, a team spot at future events so i think uh, this one's past but future events, you can get involved and join us in Discord as well. So we'll be doing uh, all that across Discord uh, as well as you can watch us on Twitch. And it's a free event as well. So get your tickets and join us live for that. And I mentioned the campaign. We have launched our Do I Look Like a Gamer campaign, which is promoting diversity and inclusion in the video games industry and working towards making young people from underrepresented backgrounds become more aware and being able to be in a position to get those opportunities so we can help change the face of the industry going forward so we started this campaign by launching a set of photos showcasing 40 uh, different people in and around video games of 40 players and makers and you can catch that on the website and then we've got some pictures on our social media you can also see highlights of the live stream launch on youtube and also stay tuned we've got events to come especially if you are a young or aspiring games professional you want to get involved in this so we've done a careers roundtable. we talked about video games uh, careers we had a cool round table of guests there we were at payload studios and then that there's highlights of that on youtube or there will be highlights of that on youtube and then we are coming with a ice cream networking event and also a family games design jam. So we're gonna be bringing uh, desserts, mixing that with video games and networking. Uh, And then later on in uh, the swing, we're gonna be coming with the family games design jam uh, and then giving people an opportunity to learn about video game design principles by designing tabletop games. So it's gonna be a lot of fun. Uh, I've done it a few sessions in my workshops. The ideas that come out are great and it's just a great experience to uh, put together that so stay tuned check out looklikeagamer.com and yeah just follow that along and definitely something to be uh, part of if you're at all interested in being within the video games industry uh, so that's some of the stuff that we are up to at the moment now you're all caught up with matter. let's talk about some of the stories that we have been enjoying this week
2: Yeah, so this is the bit of the podcast where we have a spoiler-free discussion about what stories everyone has been reading, watching, or playing. Um, Normally we start with our guest, but today we don't have one. (laughs) I'm going to mix things up a bit and say we're going to start with Nigel.
3: (laughs) Oh, wow.
0: um, (laughs) This is unusual. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um okay i'll let's see where this goes uh so i've been watching a few things that not so i know we usually do like in the past week i'm gonna stretch the definition of week <laughs> and talk about things that i might not have got to talk about uh on the last episode but i have mentioned silent sea uh, on a past episode i think the last time i mentioned it i had just started it i think uh, I might have not even seen the second episode i might have just seen the first episode i talked a bit about it but i feel i might not have done it justice uh, i've now finished it so i can talk in a bit more but still not spoilery detail so uh it's really good <laughs> basically that's, uh it's actually, is actually is a really good <laughs> series so you follow these um it's a team of people who have been sent to the moon on a very specific mission so they're going to this like abandoned research facility uh, and it's all against the backdrop of water scarcity, so it's a bit dystopian. But the idea is that the Earth is suffering from a severe lack of water uh, to the point where it's being rationed based on like class. So people have got like uh, different like this card, and if you have got access, you can get more water. So they get sent on this mission, but they're not sent all the details, and I'll I'll leave that there. But they're not given all the details, so they get there. And then things start unfolding and being revealed. It's a bit of a suspense thriller, some mystery in there. And it's a it's a group of people. So there's a bunch of people are sent, but you kind of follow the main protagonist, Song. She's a scientist. She's part of this team and she's got a history, which I'm not going to say anything because I can't remember if it's like in the premise or not, but <laughs> she's got some history and she's in there. And you kind of her history is revealed and the meaning to the mission is also revealed so uh highly recommend a really good show Mm.
2: i think that i think i remember you mentioning this at the beginning i was like yeah i need to that sounds good i need to watch that one i need to actually add it to my list i'm gonna do that right now
0: (laughs) (laughs) sold so yeah i recommend i think it's nine episodes or nine ten episodes yeah it's nice and short i like things where i can get to the end so I've been watching that uh, I've also been watching or I have watched uh, Judas and the Black Messiah so I've been traveling earlier in March uh, and I watched a bunch of things I haven't got to talk about all of them but I wanted to bring uh, this up because this this was all also really good and really one of those also like hard to watch so it's a biographical drama about Fred Hampton who was, so he's chairman of the Illinois chapter of the Black Panther Party in the late 60s. Uh, so I believe this is after Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated and I think it sort of follows on from there. If I have my history timeline uh, correct, if I don't, check Wikipedia and uh, it will uh, it will be there. Yeah, so Fred Hampton, uh, the main character, is played by Daniel uh, Kaluuya. And Lakeith Stanfield um, as well. So you kind of see Fred Hampton as like the sort of big, larger-than-life character, and Lakeith Stanfield plays a FBI informant. Um, So you kind of see the relationship between the two against the backdrop of late '60s in America. And it's yes, it's it's one of those like it's a tough watch, but it's, it's really good. It doesn't have a <laughs> doesn't have a Hollywood uh, ending, so it's not necessarily ending on a high, um, just because of the nature of the of the real life story. But uh, yeah, it's something that really kind of uh, uh, caught my attention. Mm-hmm. So I got that, and then the last thing I watched was completely opposite end of the scale. So before I left, we did an interview with Feff Silvers, who is a comic creator. So you can check that episode. I can't remember what episode it was, but if you go back a few. You'll see that conversation, and when we do our interviews, we ask people for advice. And uh, Fef had really good advice in terms of breathing in, so taking things in, so you can breathe out and create. So as I was like going through Netflix, saw this uh, this film, Resort to Love, which is a basically it's like a rom com with um, Christina Milian. She's like a failed singer. Um, she just split from her fiance. She goes to a resort to get away turns out her her ex fiance is getting married to a new woman and she's the wedding singer and it just goes from there so oh my god (laughs) I'm like I need to add this to my list now I love a good rom-com
2: so (laughs) yeah
0: I I enjoyed it but the reason why I wanted to watch it because it was something I could watch with no there's no there's nothing for me to and this is going to sound bad on the film It's, it's a cool film like watch it but there's nothing for me to take in terms of like i'm not trying to pick out themes i'm not trying to understand story structure i can just watch it and enjoy it and just for that time just just yeah. take it in uh, and also christiana milian in a paradise um island yeah i watched that for an hour and a half so <laughs> so yeah i watched that and just like uh, chilled for a time that sounds good. I'm definitely adding that for a good rom com
2: watch. I love yeah, a good yeah. rom com, especially if it's got like some super dramatic, awkward situation yeah, going oh, on. But no, it's <laughs> <laughs> just like oh no <laughs> that did not just happen. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, you're like this then. Yeah. And <laughs> good to see she's still about. Yeah. Because I kind of think The
2: last thing I saw her in.
0: I know it was probably a jar all video. <laughs> <laughs> maybe yeah. um but uh yeah that's what i have been uh consuming now i'm gonna flip this back to you tazzy what have you been watching
2: okay so i've not actually i realized oh, i can't even i don't know what i talked about last time but so you recommended joy to me and i watched that
0: oh yeah okay cool what do you think
2: oh my god i thank you for recommending it to me <laughs> it was so good just the journey that you follow and the way that it was like narrated as well I just really enjoyed and it's just a really relatable relatable but like also like insightful and like motivating story in a way that it's it's about it's an entrepreneurial story and a success story but it's not it's not like oh it's not in the same way that a lot are like a lot of films that sort of follow this kind of story go, like, Mm -hmm. because normally you get, you know, the the person that has like a great idea or whatever, then they go through some hardship and then they come out of success at the end. This had that, but...
0: Then it had more story.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it had more story and there was more depth to it. It wasn't just like, oh, this one thing got in the way and then that was it it was like actual like real life things getting in the way yeah (laughs) like just it was
0: like she had a lot she was going through a a lot
2: yeah and it made I feel like it was a more realistic kind of entrepreneurial story like it didn't miss out the details and it kept it interesting
0: yeah and especially for anyone listening who is in any entrepreneurial space like recommend it so just a bit of background it's about it's a real life story what well, is a hollywood story but it's a hollywood story about a real life person uh, joy mangano who is a self-made millionaire and created the miracle mop which like like took over created a whole empire from it and jennifer lawrence plays the character and you just see her like the thing that struck me like you said you, you sometimes see stories where people kind of struggle I don't know there's like one hurdle they get over it and they're set but this was like when I say a lot there's like dealing with family and
3: ex-husband
0: and and people looking down on her and it's just like you just feel like a lot she's having to deal with before she breaks through
2: yeah and it's like um really like she does not have like privilege. <laughs> and I've watched a lot of success stories and these kinds where the, the the person succeeding, the person who's going through it, has so much privilege in terms of like they have some form of support around them in like a big way. They have like access to money mm. and they don't have all the other things that weigh you down, which is what I liked about this. Like you said, she she was dealing with family she wasn't just a parent sort of like parenting just her kids she was just a parent full stop
3: for (laughs) everyone (laughs) (laughs) her her (laughs) parents
2: yeah like and it was like her balancing so many different things struggling with it was even like just the relationship with like different parts of her family so like you said like with her mom with her dad, two very different people as well, with their own issues, an ex-husband living in her basement. <laughs> <laughs> her dad coming to live in her basement, judging yeah. her having yeah. <laughs> her, her ex-husband living in her basement. <laughs> the irony of that, because it was like yeah. the, the her and her mum her, her, her ex-husband and her mom's ex-husband in Amazing. the basement. It was so funny. And then the kids the nana and then like her relationship with her sister like the best friend and then how she came up on top of it and was just still just an amazing person as well like she's still done so much for people that had let like let her down essentially and and just her proving herself oh my god it's hard to not talk about it yeah maybe we need to do an episode then boy. <laughs> Yeah, I definitely recommend it. I'm so grateful that you recommended it. I 100% recommend it if you're anyone entrepreneurial, but I also highly recommend it if you are not. (laughs) It's generally a great
0: story. Might give you some insight.
2: Yeah, it will give you some insight. And then even if you gain nothing from it, it's just a very good story. Mm. So, and then... I was disappointed last week because we wasn't doing a story. We wasn't recording <laughs> a story podcast and I've been reading a book. I was <laughs> like, oh my God, I have a book that I can talk about. got really excited. So yeah, I wanted to talk about a book because we so often talk about movies or shows that we've been uh, watching um, and occasionally a game that I feel like a book is uh, like a, an, like I'm talking about like a book as well, not a comic
0: like a proper book.
2: Like a book, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just text. <laughs> no images. So I've been reading a book called Lock of the Dead, which I. Lock picked... of the Dead or Lock? Lock.
0: Lock, okay. As in
2: like water lock,
0: that kind of. Oh, that kind of lock, okay, okay. Lock.
2: Which I picked up a few years back. It must have been around sort of like maybe. A year after it came out but from a a book what is
0: it called bookshop
2: no not a bookshop no. it's like a it's like a book sale thing that happens in a church near me for charity uh, and they sort of you know before the whole pandemic situation hmm. it was done regularly and normally the books that you get are like the like first print copies not the ones that are sold but the ones that are like given to friends and family or yeah some of them are the essentially some of them have mistakes in some of them have like extra these are like ones that are not supposed to be sold but are like donated directly from the publishers or writers because they're ones that can't be like sold in the shop
0: yeah yeah we've got a few copies of Sirius like that actually
2: yeah but anyway so this is I picked it up there which is really great so it's like a a new book, the new book spell, but read really <laughs> it for ages. It was just sitting there on my shelf, as what happens with me with books. I'm like, I buy loads of books with full intention to read them, and then I, I just don't get around to it for ages. And I'm getting back into the habit of reading. Um, so this is the fiction book that I'm reading at the moment. But anyway, more about the book and less about how I got got to <laughs> reading
0: it. The story of the story,
2: <laughs> the story of the story, and I think. I think it's actually part of a series and I've just like skipped ahead. Because <laughs> I've just got it up on on Amazon and it says book four. <laughs>
0: like,
2: That's a big giveaway. <laughs> oh, Apparently there's books one, two and three. So maybe I'll go back and read them at some point. But it's fine because I'm reading it and it doesn't feel like I needed to have read those previous books. But basically I'm following two D.I.D.? detectives. It's
0: It's set in Scotland.
2: It is set in Scotland. It is set in Victorian times. Uh, It's a a Victorian mystery novel. And you follow a you follow these two detectives. Bray, who is actually an Englishman, and he's like comes from quite a wealthy background. And McGray. AKA Nine Nails because he has nine fingers
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> and he's yeah and he's like he's scottish has a thick scottish accent and i know this because they literally write in the accent so as i'm reading it i'm just like reading it in a in a, in a scottish accent <laughs> <laughs> which i really like when a book does that when it can when it uses like r- Writes out the accent and the words in the accent so that you read it like that. And he's a bit, McGray's a bit of a, I don't know how to put it, but basically, they, they, Ray and McGray really cr- clash because Frey is very like proper, in quotation marks, proper, <laughs> like, you know, high society. Well, not, maybe not completely high society, but you know, a
0: bit. He's from that world.
2: Yeah, that world. And, you know, he's a gentleman and cares about manners and people being properly dressed. And McGray's like the complete opposite. <laughs> <laughs> and in this book, uh, there's also Phrase uncle, who is even more proper and likes to drink fine, fine alcohol, smoke cigars. <laughs> he's a man of leisure. He's got wealth and he doesn't have to work he's also always asking like why on earth Frey is doing this job where he could get hurt and they, they bring up the fact that he's now got like scars on him which is like oh you know oh my god you've got scars <laughs> 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 you're doing all this dangerous work <laughs> um, and i just really like the dynamic between the two detectives and um, but i also like how the book's written because it sort of when the book starts they're both in two different places um actually we start in a flashback but then once we're a forward in time we're like in two different places and as the chapters if you're as you go through the chapters they're switching between different points of view between uh, okay. the two detectives and there's some times where they're both in the same place and then there's other times where they're off like detecting different parts of what needs to be detected <laughs> in this story <laughs> um uh as you might be able to tell from the the title lock of the dead there is a lot of murder <laughs> yep. in this mystery <laughs> and i love a good murder mystery oh um, nice. yeah no but it's really interesting i'm halfway through and i'm like where's it gonna go there's just all these twists and turns when you think you know
0: Oh, I like I that. I need to get into a good book uh, yeah. myself. So.
2: Um, but yeah, that's what I've been
0: consuming. <laughs> cool. So those are the stories that we have been enjoying. Uh, you know what's next. We're going to get into our main story discussion. Today, we are talking about Turning Red, the 2022 Pixar animation directed by Domi Shi, written by Shi and Julia Cho. It also stars the voices of Rosalie Chiang and Sandra Oh, among others. As we usually do, we're going to get into uh, spoilers. So this is the spoiler part. So if you haven't seen it, definitely give it a watch. Come back and listen to us dig into the details of this. I will do a recap of the story. But first, let's get everyone's quick overall impressions of this. And by everyone, me and Tazzy, because that is who is here. So uh, Tazzy. Do you want to let us know your thoughts? What did you think about this animation?
2: Oh my God, I loved it. It was so cute. And I just, I really liked that it was, there's so many things I liked about it. I like this, this was not, this film was like made with the idea that it's for people who were like born in, the sort of like 90s, like well, well, sort of like born in the 90s, like grew up in the 90s essentially. Mm. So they're either like born in the 80s and sort of like in their teens in the 90s and early 2000 or, or born in the 90s and teens in the early 2000s because there are so much throwbacks. Like it's oh, yeah. essentially <laughs> like half the stuff. I don't know how a, a child now would get half of the stuff in this because. There were like a pop boy band. That's a
3: throwback.
2: Yeah. It was like watching Clueless. I was yeah. like, there was Tamagotchi. Yeah. There was
3: as a CD was at
0: one point before CD. I realized this was set in 2002, like someone handed a character a CD. I'm like, wait, what year was it saying?
2: Yeah. And I was like, so this is clearly made for like the the parents that of that age that now have kids (laughs) like that's what they were thinking when they were making this because yeah (laughs) the kids wouldn't get half of those references they wouldn't wouldn't understand but it was made in a way that like you could enjoy it regardless well i don't i'm not a kid so i don't know how well it went down with them but i'm gonna guess
0: though since it is a kid's movie yeah well i'll bring this up in a future workshop see what the kids think
2: <laughs> but I just really liked how it was done and how it was kind of like a a way of like a metaphor for periods without it being about periods.
0: Yes, yeah. Um, we're going to talk about that because yeah, <laughs> that, that caused the whole thing. So
2: uh, I'm I'm looking forward to that bit of a discussion on that. <laughs> but it was just a really lovely film it was so fun and I really liked the characters they I think they'd done like the group of friends so well because I feel like there's a bit they've got a character that's everyone can sort of like relate to one of those characters the most but then also the characters kind of represented different parts of one person at the same time that Uh, makes sense yeah
0: Yeah. I never thought (laughs) I get you Okay. Oh yeah. All right. We'll talk about that too. Cause, <laughs> uh, making me think. Yeah. So I, you know, it's uh, interesting. So when the, when this film start started, I was not sure I would like it, and because it has a certain energy to it, and it very it starts quite high energy. Um, and I don't know if it was just the time I was uh, watching it, just felt like oh this is a bit much, and then it got to the bit with the. The mum first of one of many uh, times embarrassing uh, the daughter,
3: <laughs>
0: and I I connected with that not the not the exact scenario, but just the just the parents just overprotective parents just uh, treating the children as children, but just to a point where it gets a, a bit much. I'm like ah yeah I, I get that I'm I I'm, mean I'm so I kind of fell in sync with the film more from that point. And then mm. obviously you find out about the character journey and um, everything behind the, the panda. So I, I ended up liking this, even though at the beginning it's like, oh, I'm not sure if, if I'm gonna if this is gonna wear me out. <laughs> this film, <laughs> but no, I liked it and it had an interesting visual style. Like it is very, like you say, it's very cute. We'll talk about some of the uh, the anime inspiration, but it was also quite advanced. Like there were moments that looked like really cool. You can see like the advancement in. Uh, animation at Pixar you know they're on this journey from the original Toy Story to uh, the latest Toy Story and and to films like this where you can see like from a technical standpoint how good the animation has become but still managing Mm -hmm. what looks like quite a in some ways simple but advanced i don't even know if that makes sense but <laughs> the animation was interesting and then which i didn't even know uh, i wasn't fully aware of until i was putting together notes for this like the whole controversy around it so
2: the, the controversy is what made me
0: watch it I, yeah so I'm, I'm very interested to know your perspective in particular
2: yeah we'll get we'll get to that in a second
0: <laughs> but before we do i will do a recap of this film so this is a story that takes us to Toronto in two thousand two, hence the CDs and Tamagotchis, where a thirteen-year-old Mei Ling Mei Li helps take care of the family's temple dedicated to their ancestor Sung Yi. Mei works to make her overprotective mother Ming proud, hiding interests like the fact that she and her best friends are super fans of the boy band Four Town, Four Town for Life. When ming discovers may's crush on a local convenience store clerk devon she confronts him and embarrasses may in public leading may to have a nightmare involving red pandas the next morning may has transformed into a large red panda she discovers that she only transforms when she is in a high state of emotion her mom initially believes may is experiencing her first period but finds out the truth when she again embarrasses Mei at school, causing Mei to transform again and run home. Ming and Mei's father Jin explains that every female family member since Sun Yi has also transformed when they became of age. The red panda spirit must be sealed in a talisman by a ritual on the night of the red moon, which is in a month's time. In the meantime, Mei finds that focusing on her friends helps control the red panda within her. May resumes normal life, but Ming refuses to let her attend Four Towns' upcoming concert. So the girls secretly raise money for the tickets by exploiting the popularity of May's Red Panda form. To cover the last ticket, May attends a birthday party as the Red Panda. But they discover that the concert will be held on her ritual night. Even worse, Ming discovers May's activities and accuses her friends of corrupting and taking advantage of her. And May fails to come to her friend's defense. Then come the aunties. Led by Mei's grandmother Wu, her aunts come to assist her in the ritual. Meanwhile, Jin tells her she should not be ashamed of her red panda side. During the ritual, Mei, discu- Mei decides to keep her powers and abandons the ritual to attend a concert. Her friends forgive her but an enraged Ming transformed into a kaiju-sized red panda and crashes the concert, looking to take Mei back by force. Mei and Ming argue and fight about Mei's independence, and during that fight, Wu and the other aunts use their red panda forms to help get Ming into a new ritual. They are joined by Mei's friends and Fortown. Mei reconciles with Ming and helps her mend her bond with Wu. The other women conceal their red pandas in new talisman, but Mei decides to keep hers and Ming accepts that she is finding her own path. The end. There's a lot to talk about, like the film, the controversy. Interestingly, because I thought this was out in the cinema, only to discover this was a Disney Plus exclusive and mm-hmm. just the third Pixar film to be released exclusively on Disney Plus after Soul and Luca. So. I know like over past episodes we were talking about films you know better watched in the cinema films better watched at home did this work for you and would you or would you still like to see like theatrical releases of animated films in particular
2: okay so this this is very 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 specific to this film Mm. that it was perfect that it was released on Disney (laughs) plus so I think this would have been a great watch in the cinema as well but It's also to do with the controversy of like what made me watch it. I originally didn't know it was a Disney Plus exclusive. I thought it was in the cinema. I'd seen it like on the side of buses and I was like, oh, giant red panda, adorable. Want to watch it? Don't really care what it's about. I just (laughs) want to see that cute fluffy thing. (laughs) Um, And then then I saw all the controversy on Twitter um, around periods And I was on my period and I was having a really, like, I just want to be on the sofa, wrapped in a blanket, drinking some hot chocolate, watching a good film. And I was like, this is perfect. I'm a watch turning red. (laughs) (laughs) And so my experience of it was like curled up on my sofa with my heat pack and my hot chocolate watching this film, like just in my own little hibernation space. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) it's such a perfect watch for that situation
0: yeah I mean I'll take your word for it but yeah no I can see (laughs) I can see that
2: so yeah but I feel like it would have been a great watch in the cinema as well I think I think we shouldn't replace cinema releases for Disney plus especially as it also limits people watching it well it has it does both it kind of limits some people but then
0: Gives other people other, yeah more better access. access yeah yeah it's a tricky one it's like because I'm you know once upon a time if you had said oh this is something you could watch on streaming or you should be watching on streaming that would seem like a a diss to the the thing
3: mm. and I kind
0: of feel like that but not necessarily in a negative way it just feels I guess where we are with with sort of cinema and, and streaming and a pandemic it like this feels like yeah this fits for streaming although mm. it would be nice to watch it um, on cinema. And I wouldn't necessarily say every animation should be sort of Disney Plus or whatever. If it's not Disney,
3: the yeah, web service, yeah, yeah. So it's a tricky
0: one to know. Which I, I this I, I agree with you for. Like, it felt like okay, this fits for viewing at home and on the streaming service, though.
2: Yeah, but I think it would look amazing on the big screen. Yeah, like I think it would look really, really good, especially the animation of like the the red pandas. Oh yeah, and, and like because yeah, yeah, the. The fur is done so well. Yeah. Like it's you can you can the feel the fluffiness. Yeah. <laughs> you're like you can it's it's just done so well that you you're right there. Like you feel really, really uh, absorbed by it. Yeah. So.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> so I think it would look amazing in the cinema. But I feel like we're going in a in a place where um a film like this, I reckon it will be in the cinema for like special viewings
0: i could see that but mostly on streaming
2: yeah and i think that also works it makes it like an experience like the cinema for me i think going to the cinema should be should be an experience like and one of the good things about a film being released in the cinema is that you
0: all have that collective experience yeah that community aspect is uh, yeah I feel like uh, Spider-Man, which you still haven't seen, I'm assuming, is yeah. a great, uh, is a great that like opening night or whenever the next night that I saw it, where everyone's new, everyone's reacting. That community experience is something that, yeah, hopefully we don't we don't miss out on too much.
2: Mm-hmm. The controversy, then, yeah,
0: yeah. Let's talk about the supposed controversy. So this may be one of the most controversial entries into the Pixar library, or is it? Because I. I was not super aware of this film. I will admit, I knew it was coming, and I knew it was Pixar. So that's pretty much like until they prove otherwise. That's really all I need to need to know. To like, yeah, we you know we've spoken on different Pixar films on this. We always have a good time uh, discussing them. So I wasn't super aware of all the controversy. And then as I was like just before watching it, as I was putting the notes together, in particular, just seeing all the, I guess the hate and how divisive. And I'm like, huh? So. There's and there's multiple angles where there's a debate over the depiction of thirteen-year-old uh, girls. I saw uh, one sort of Twitter, or maybe it was Facebook, like this long post about how this is not a film for children. It's teaching disobedience and uh, apparently unhealthy level of self-acceptance, like just be who you want to be kind of thing. And then that's even before you get to the whole puberty and period aspect of it. And it just made me think, like, why, why people who aren't thirteen-year-old girls suddenly become experts in what thirteen-year-old girls do and don't do? It just... And also,
2: have they watched any Disney Pixar films
0: ever? Yeah, there's a <laughs> bunch of like, "quote unquote" disobedient women girls in, um, like, yeah, I, I it, it just just baffled me. And there was one in particular. So apparently, the website Cinema Bled. Also, I mean, I mentioned this is. The whole context to this, I feel, should be added, is that this is a film I mentioned uh, Canadian animator Domi Shi. So it's Pixar's first feature-length film directed by an Asian woman. So I feel that uh, <laughs> uh, that should be, if it wasn't already obvious, that should be stated there. So uh, Cinema Blend uh, managing director Sean O'Connell wrote a pretty scathing review and complained that the film's focus on Lee's Asian background. And to be fair, this does feel like a a film that comes from her her upbringing um, as mm-hmm. well as others but it just feels like her experience as well as plot lines that revolve around lee's struggle through puberty as a young girl limited the film's ability to connect with audiences and i'll quote from an article from his that was actually taken down but he says i recognize the humor in the film but connected with none of it by rooting turning red very specifically in the asian community of toronto The film legitimately feels like it was made for Domi she's, friends, and immediate family members, which is fine, but also a tad limiting in its scope. Oh my The Yeah, so the review was like caused so much controversy that it was actually pulled after receiving a massive backlash. And I think there was an apology and a reissue of a different review so my, my first question because i know tess <laughs> <laughs> wants to so i'm gonna throw a, a softball question that um, i feel i already know the answer to but uh what is it about this film that caused such division and and do you think that it has this uh these themes have just a limited um limited scope
2: well first of all i didn't even know i only knew about the period of controversy and we'll get to that bit after but it's just okay i mean you said you related to bits of this film so
0: yeah and very i mean i said it already but it's very specifically that idea of like just parents just doing things that embarrassing you on a on a such a public scale i've (laughs) unfortunately been through things like that so
2: and um you're not a 13 year old asian girl in toronto canada
0: probably never will be so
2: (laughs) okay um i found a lot of connection with this film and i've been a 13 year old girl i've never lived in i've never even been to canada (laughs) it's a
0: nice place briefly
2: i would love to go i'm also not asian and i related a lot to this film i managed to connect to it so that's two people that don't fit in this very specific (laughs) category that apparently you have to be to relate to this film so i mean that's i think we've already just proved that point (laughs) completely wrong (laughs) (laughs) that's not even like it's not not even a pin that's just wrong yeah that's just straight up wrong also does every film have to be about a situation that that you know and understand
0: this is where i got to yeah
2: i'm sorry but most films are not specific to me (laughs) i am a mixed race woman from london i don't think there's any films about me (laughs) (laughs) there is not one film that i can like be like yeah this is very specifically relatable to me no i love james bond movies there's nothing relatable (laughs) about a james bond movie (laughs) my favorite films like at one point were the transformer movies zero relatability
3: yeah (laughs)
2: that's not even a, 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 an argument for a film being good or not doesn't you you have zero like just oh my god i feel like yeah. that just comes from such a place of privilege of like most films being made to you like cater to your like to your
0: life yeah pretty much i i feel it made me think that i'm I'm going to take a wild guess and if I'm wrong I apologize sincerely I'm going to take a guess that the person that wrote this is is white male um just take a random guess and it strikes me as the you know we're in this place where we're getting films and even if we just look at Pixar we're getting films from different cultural perspectives whereas we've been used to a time where the the default is if not directly a white male perspective one that is is cr- close to that white male adjacent mm-hmm. so you can you, you'd st- there'd still be a need to make films that ideally have some kind of universal appeal yeah where you know it's different situations like you know we've all grown up and we've all had sort of experiences through puberty or whether it's like survival or whatever it is like unit something universal but because it's come from largely white male safe perspective you never had to make that connection because you can see yourself when you can see yourself in it. Obviously it's for you. So this is You never had to
2: like pick out one piece that connected with you. You know, you you got like a good, a good like 70 plus percent you could connect to. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. (laughs) So if
2: it's anything below 50, you're like, nah, it's not, not cannot relate. Never been embarrassed by my parents ever.
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that's where, where we are. Well, now it's kind of like, this is a film which is, made by an asian um, woman written think uh uh, and different parts in terms of the creative team from a female perspective so because i was watching and i see things that I just not my experience. Like I, yeah. I like I don't I, well, like when she's um drawing, like a uh, uh, Devon, and she realizes that she might have a question and and she starts drawing <laughs> all these things, and like that, that's not. I've not <laughs> uh, super relatable,
2: yeah. super relatable for me. <laughs> that's
0: what I'm saying. It's like you, you can appreciate that this is someone's yeah. experience, and you can and you can understand. It's why I say about sort of the mum taking her yeah. down and embarrassing her. I I can understand that, even though that's not my experience.
2: And as well, like for me, there's a lot of things that were not my experience, but I know someone whose experience they were, and that's yeah. where the reliability is, which even more comes from, like, you don't have enough diverse friends if you yeah, if you quite see possibly. nothing to relate to it. Yeah,
0: again, we don't know. Just, well, uh, we don't know, part. but
2: <laughs> also, like, the film, it's a Disney Pixar film, yeah. If it doesn't cater to you, just don't watch the film, because it's not made for everyone to actually enjoy films aren't made like that nothing's made like that it's great for them to be able to capture a wide audience which i think is a really good skill of disney pixar and i think they've displayed it in this just as well as any other disney pixar film but at the end of the day this film is for like uh, children this is yes, a also,
3: also that,
2: and their parents so <laughs> you're you're not even in the market audience you're like in the wider you know this would be great if it could hit so like oh my god I just I'm so <laughs> I didn't even I just I didn't even know this con- was a controversial opinion so I'm not even prepared for this this is like <laughs> fresh, <laughs> fresh fresh like what but it is relatable. That is what I'm getting at.
0: Yeah, no, I I felt it was it was relatable, and, and while I I could see some bits where, like I say, weren't well, my experience. That I mean, that's not new for one. Mm. And yeah, you... and a
2: lo- sorry, I was going to say a lot of things aren't specific to an a Canadian Asian family as well. Because what a lot of people that are white male. <laughs> <laughs> Fail to understand is that things like aunties is very oh that was relevant, <laughs> very relevant to a lot of black yeah for a lot of black communities like yeah
0: yeah that, that's was, the okay, thing. that was very relatable <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was like yep this came from that
2: <laughs> exactly and there's a lot of things that culturally um from non-white people from non-white backgrounds have like something similar or something adjacent to and that can be relatable without being like specifically same it can be relatable yeah. and i think that done really well at like capturing the things that you know other communities would also have experienced things that are timeless as well uh regardless of it being the early 2000s or not mm. i just i'm so because i oh there were so many things i was like oh yeah like Either that's my experience. I know someone whose experience that was. I remember someone's like parent coming in and being that embarrassing person. (laughs) Or I've heard stories of people's experiences being similar to this. And a lot of people. I feel like you're in the minority in this situation, (laughs) sir.
0: (laughs) Yeah, quite possibly. Although I do have in my notes, I've got another article of another complaint from someone who isn't. Uh, white male so i'm gonna bring that up uh, a bit later but the other thing that caused controversy and i feel this is just i don't know i'm just gonna put this out there periods make men uncomfortable i'm just gonna put that out there i think i think that's that's part of it and this is a film which does have a focus on that and i guess there's like a metaphor in terms of like sort of turning red and the panda uh, and everything and there's Mm -hmm. even a moment in the film where the mum Thinks like you know it's oh this is this is it it's the time I have to talk about and then the dad is like well I'm out (laughs) Um, (laughs) see you later and again relatability I felt (laughs) felt for the dad it's like yep uh, I'm out you guys work this out let me know when you need me to drive you somewhere or cook something (laughs) and you do that stuff so I think that's another thing for the controversy
2: yeah so this for me is one of the reasons I love this film I'm a big believer that men you need to learn about periods i just it's silly that you don't (laughs) because boy i have had two boyfriends now that have no issue with periods and when i tell you like they get the highest rating. if 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 you reviewed your partners after you broke up (laughs) with them that alone would put them in like the high rating regardless of everything else that they've done yeah like gold standard Because periods shouldn't be shameful. And regardless of your gender, either you are going to experience periods or someone you know is going to experience periods. Mm. And by understanding them, it's just going to be a much easier time for everyone because they come monthly.
3: For half the population. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Like, it's just a natural part of life. Mm. It's just something that, Just exists. It's part of the reason why you're on the planet. Kind of a key part.
3: (laughs) It's in your story, too.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, I understand like a lot of men didn't get an exposure from a young age. And that's the problem. And so this is helping to stop that from being a problem. Plus, it hardly even touched on periods. I know that it's a metaphor. Yeah,
3: it very it's metaphor exactly
2: like, just that. It's a metaphor. Yeah. Apart from <laughs> that one scene where the mum's like, oh no, I'm gonna have to have that talk. Oh. Yeah. And she
0: shoves the pads in her face. Yeah. And here's some was,
2: products. Yeah. It's like, have you been to the supermarket? You've walked you there is a product, like you can see them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And women have to deal with like men's issues all the time. It's just out there like we we know how your bodies function it's not hidden (laughs) it's not made a lot
3: simpler to be fair like it's
2: just it's just a part of life and yeah it would it would save so much i mean um there is a statistic and i i wish i actually had it up but it's higher than you'd expect of how many like girls miss school because they're on their period
3: That happened.
2: The statistic was specifically for the UK. Oh wow! Um, So globally, I'm going to guess it's even higher Mm. because poverty will massively affect that as well. Yeah. So that's girls missing school once a week every month from when they start secondary school. That's a lot of a lot of education being missed because there's so much shame um around periods. And a lot of that shame is because boys don't learn about it either. Not to mention that the girls don't properly learn about it in the first place. <laughs> so it's a better world if everyone learns about periods. Yeah. And I wanna bring up a tweet that I saw that this is the one that I was like, I'm watching Turn and Red. Because before <laughs> I didn't know there was a I didn't know it was about periods. Um and then I was like now I'm watching it. <laughs> it was purely for this uh parents Comment, mum's comment. I want to specify that she is a mum of two boys, and it was a PSA. I watched Turning Red with my boys this weekend. Boys ages nine and thirteen. They had tons of questions regarding (laughs) girls and their periods. I wish there had been a warning before watching it with them. Anyone else? This bugged me because I was like, this is two young boys whose girls in their classes will be getting their periods. And it's very healthy that they have questions regarding girls and their periods. Mm. I mean, even if you're a girl at that age, you're going to have questions <laughs> regarding periods. And it's quite help. That's what kids do. They ask questions about literally everything. And they will continue to ask why, why, <laughs> <laughs> why, <laughs> until you have no more answers See, and you're like, you <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I just think... It's kind of you're doing them a disservice and girls everywhere a disservice by not answering those questions. And you don't have to go into details. I mean, you don't go into details about a lot of things that kids ask because it's like <laughs> <laughs> when you're older. But, you know, just a basic understanding, which could really help. And because girls are going through this at the ages of nine and 13. So what's the issue? And it kind of links to this whole thing of like, uh, girls mature faster than boys, which is more like, no, we just don't give boys the opportunity to mature at the same rate as girls because we don't answer questions like this.
0: Yeah, although I feel I've done enough workshops to maybe think it's just girls <laughs> mature faster, but I said, oh, I'll save that for, <laughs> for other talks. But no, I, I, I totally get that. And I feel it reminds me, slightly less controversial but still controversial, when Captain Marvel came out and just seeing the division around that and how that you know just sort of put a strong female character in the center and surrounded by still sort of female friends and the antagonist being male. But I remember seeing an image of a Young boy, I think he was in Captain Marvel cosplay, or just in front of the the, the movie poster, and it was just like there is like young boy who is looking up to um female character, and I guess hopefully understanding that women can be the central protagonist and someone to look up to, and can be
2: heroes too.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that kind of thing. And I, f- I feel like the it's just the idea of understanding different people, and I feel. I didn't find anything particularly controversial in this. I mean, I'm not a parent, so uh, maybe I don't have that perspective. But just for me, it's like an understanding of what, oh, someone other than me is going mm-hmm. through. So now I, I have to understand. It's not like this, oh, what, what's going on? What's what's happening? At least I have some context. As a very young kid, you'd have some context going into it. And then you'd have some understanding of what, you know, your friends or your sort of family members are. I can't say I feel that's a positive thing, but Definitely. apparently not because <laughs> there's a whole thing.
2: Yeah, I mean
0: around
2: it. I remember being in school and getting my period and like having to like hide that I had pads on me. Mm. Like that is ridiculous. Like thinking back on it, I'm like, oh my god, that is ridiculous that I had to hide that. Yeah. That shouldn't be that shouldn't be something the girls have to go through because what? <laughs> <laughs>
3: because Because boys don't go
2: through it (laughs) then girls have to hide something that happens to them every month (laughs) for a good portion of their life and also helps you understand like the emotions
0: to be fair yeah i've got some other controversial stuff but i'm gonna let's talk about the animation for a bit and we'll come back to like the the cultural side and
3: uh, and that
0: (laughs) Uh, so one of the things I, I liked uh, reading in this and seeing, because you can see the, the influences, is the, how anime was a big inspiration for the film's animation style. So Domi Ishii, uh grew up watching shows like Sailor Moon, Pokemon, Fruits Basket. And she said, I've always loved how colorful and expressive anime is. How they really exaggerate facial features and character reactions. And you really feel what the characters are feeling at any given moment. And that's a real good sort of captured part of the essence of anime. And in particular, why young people, uh, I feel like anime, manga, is because of that expressive uh, facial features. And where Mm -hmm. people in in the West who might not be into anime or or, uh, parents, not to sort of stereotype too much, but they kind of see it as silly. But if you're, I feel like if you're a young character, young person... It's easy to connect with because you can see the emo- the emotion. I understand what the character's going through because I can see it on their face, and we see it in the film. There's lots of moments where um, um, May and her friends are like reacting to like Fortown, and uh, you see like the the wide eyes and and all that. Like, did you see and appreciate those anime influences?
2: I 100 percent did. I mean, I am a big fan of like anime that over over emotes <laughs> yeah. is for better term and it's like a lot of the reasons why i love certain anime is like um format alchemist brotherhood yeah. is something that they they do is like use techniques where like they just completely change their animation to show sure. Sure. <laughs> to show an emotion um I really liked how they done that in this, Uh, especially one of the characters, uh, one of the friends. Oh, I don't know her name. Abby, yeah.
3: I know, I know. (laughs) know it's Abby. (laughs) She's just really
2: excitable. And just the way, I mean, she reminds me of like a Dragon Ball Z character.
3: Yeah, she does actually.
2: (laughs) And how like their personalities are kind of-
0: Just shine through.
2: Shine through using these these, uh, sort of like anime typical- animation styles and and like the star eyes, you know, classic anime. Yeah. Like.
0: Yeah, sure. And you could you see it in so many moments. And it, it's it's cool how they got it from so like anime being largely 2D and then mixed that with Pixar, who are obviously sort of known for detailed 3D world. So yeah, it was a good effort to mix those two things and come across with something that fits within pixar but also has some sort of elements from that and I also just like in general how um, whether you like anime or not there's a lot of influences mm-hmm. in western media animation uh, comics that are from anime that you may mm. not even know um, yeah. but hopefully you know this one and the other thing i liked that was from not directly from anime but i could see that because i, I don't often see this too much in western films but does correct me if I'm wrong? But I saw a a depiction of like positive female friendships that I'm I'm not sure I I see too often.
2: Yeah, I f- I feel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can. They were just they were
0: just friends. There was no. There was no drama between. Yeah, there's no. Yeah, yeah. I was trying to find <laughs> another word, but yeah, there's no drama. They were just we're friends. We, we accept you. Yeah. We we love you. We we're here for you. Like there was there was conflict and things elsewhere, but that was constant. Like yeah, film. and it reminded me i have not seen a bunch of Sailor Moon, but I know Sailor Moon is is known for showcasing that. And I've spoken to people, and we've had uh, Laura Callahan on our show uh, a couple of times, and she she's spoken about sort of the positive um, female friendships in that, and her not necessarily seeing that too much in in Western sort of cartoons and comics.
2: Yeah, I'm trying to because now I'm like now you've made me think. I'm trying to think of where that has been shown, and I guess there's I'm sure a it has
3: somewhere.
2: Yeah, I um, what's it called with what are they called? Oh my god, I can see them, the Powerpuff Girls. That's where I was going.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, <cool> about that,
2: <laughs> the Powerpuff Girls. That's one
0: okay yeah
2: and then i'm struggling yeah (laughs) (laughs) i'm trying to think uh it would be great any listeners you know hit us up on twitter or instagram or something and let (laughs) us know strong friendships between girls in western animation
0: yeah i'd uh like to know there's also uh, yeah, so you had that sort of aspect in terms of inspiration. And then just as we talked about in terms of like the just the general visual appeal of this film, how how good it looks. It's, it's very cute. Animation is very advanced. And then uh, I always like the color theory aspect. And this is why we bring on like people who do animation so they can explain <laughs> it to us. But what I did notice is that you have obviously there's red uh, in in certain parts, but also green in this Mm. film so i think in may's room there's a lot of green i think um on her mum as well i think so in in chinese culture green symbolizes cleanliness harmony and purity so these are all things that sort of the mum kind of wants to project onto the the daughter as well so it's cool how they kind of made use of that
3: Mm.
2: and the, the like each friend in the friendship group has like a color but like the Teletubbies. Yes.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> they are like a color.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. That's true. So you had like, was it yellow, purple? So you red. Green and green. red, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I like that. That kind of, it just helps in terms of like characterization, kind of subtly tells you what to expect from the character along with their mannerisms, the, uh, the dialogue and everything. Yeah. We're going to actually, we can go into characters, but I did want to mention the sort of the, going back to representation and sort of potential conflicts is just this idea of uh, Disney, Pixar kind of expanding their horizons in terms of cultural perspectives. So uh, we had, I mean, there's a few like Coco. I don't know if you've seen that. That's a really good, uh, really enjoyed that, which is uh, around the Day of the Dead Festival, one of Mexico's most important traditions. Encanto. Rooted in Colombian culture, so turning red introduces a uh, sort of teenager of Chinese descent, uh, Raya, and a large dragon explores uh, Southeast Asian culture. So I feel that's I feel that's a good thing. Again, it kind of it goes outside of the the quote unquote default perspective, mm-hmm. uh, and then that causes some controversy. So I did mention there was another um, there's another review that talked about turning red in a slightly negative. Uh, light so i'm going to put this in the show notes as well so this is from jane hu via the new yorker who says and i'll i'll read out the whole paragraph and you can let me know what you think the literalism of turning red is of course part of the point in making a topic that is still socially taboo friendly to all ages pixar works to undo the shame attached to something as banal as getting your period. But the film does so by distorting other cultural tropes, such as the tiger mother, who, in this rendition, literally shoves pads into her daughter's face. Gender and ethnicity work as mutually reinforcing shields in order to make female puberty everyone's problem. Turning red turns it into a Chinese person's problem. It's a film as messy as its subject matter this was um obviously someone who didn't think too highly uh, of the film but uh mixed the the female representation the gender representation with the cultural one and yeah yeah, so i was wondering what you what you think about where has representation been handled well in this film and uh, as we've already stated neither of us are 13 year old uh, chinese girls but just from, I guess, relative outside looking in, um, what do you think about the representation in in this film?
3: Uh, <laughs> yeah,
0: it's, it's a lot. Right? It's, it's, yeah,
2: I don't quite get what she's trying to say. I'm gonna go for that because <laughs> just because it's a Chinese girl experience in her period which would be different between cultures and is very different between cultures it doesn't take it doesn't take away from someone not chinese being able to relate (laughs) right their periods
0: to it yeah yeah i mean i i took it as the the way the film at least from why I understand of her perspective is mixing that experience and like tying it to Chinese culture, like the way, like you mentioned the, uh, the tiger, uh, tiger mom trope, if if you want. So the way that she handles it uh, with the daughter, like embarrassing the daughter turning up uh, at school um, and just hovering uh, around there, it just made it feel like like she said like specifically a problem in a Chinese culture but then that's just the perspective of the film right
2: yeah like if it's if it's if someone's like if that's how that mum would react in that situation then it makes sense for that mum to react like that in that situation I don't I don't see the problem I don't feel (laughs) (laughs) it wouldn't be separate it's not a separate what
0: yeah, like how you handle a, it is naturally from your cultural perspective
2: perspective. Say, so. Yeah. And and I also don't think those things are specific to a Chinese mum. Like when I was watching this, I did have questions. I was like, oh, is this a, I don't know, because I'm I'm not a Chinese 13 year old from Toronto. <laughs> but I was like I was like, oh, I wonder how how well this is representative of this group of people is this something that a lot of chinese teenagers could relate to
3: yeah
2: and even specifically maybe in toronto maybe someone in in london would it wouldn't have been the same but that's the beauty of experiences right
0: and that's the (laughs) thing yeah seeing someone else's perspective so you can empathize And, and i would assume like given the director and like i said at the beginning this does feel like her experience
2: yeah
0: um, or at least like heavily inspired by her experience while trying to get that universal appeal yeah Um, so i'd imagine it's it's accurate enough but yeah yeah that's i guess i mean yeah that's no
2: exactly because there's certain things that i'm like oh no like i've heard like people talk about that being their experience being similar to how it showed here Um, and then all the universally or maybe universally amongst 13 year old girls um, (laughs) (laughs) there was a lot of those I don't I don't get the qualm I don't get
0: yeah I I know like like, and if you do get it and you're listening and would like to explain it to us uh, please do get in touch and let's talk about some of the characters yeah um in particular whether you saw yourself or maybe people you knew growing up growing up in the film's characters and whether you had any favorites like uh in that in that cast
3: yes
2: (laughs) (laughs) i definitely saw people in some of the characters and um like i said earlier also just like emotions of one person which i think is like really interesting i'm surprised you completely missed that one i do come on yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but so there was one character one of the friends was it uh yeah prior oh yeah literally like could there's like one uh person at went my school i that is just her character that is her i i'm convinced <laughs> that, that the character is based on her
3: <laughs> yeah
2: absolutely convinced like literally every reaction every comment i was like what <laughs> i was like how is this like they just popped her in
0: I just dropped her in the film
2: yeah (laughs) I was like wow that's uh that's pretty cool yeah I think that was the only like real character that I was like oh my god that is like like for like pretty much (laughs) very on the nose um of someone I know and then the other would just be like aspects or moments that they had,
0: yeah. I've definitely seen some Abby's. Abby, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Abby was a lot. Abby stays on eleven, like <laughs> <laughs> eleven, all the time. So yeah, it's called cool like we say. Like she, so, May has three main friends that we see, and they're the ones that i introduced like very early on. This is me. This is who I am, and these are my friends. So we have Priya, Miriam, and Abby. And I guess Miriam sort of like the, or at least to me, came across as like the leader of the three and then mm. is, um and another sort of play of her but they all they're very much a unit very much together and they all kind of contribute but yeah abby was abby was well i wasn't sure at first she kind of uh, i warmed to her but she was like she's just all the way up <laughs>
2: because <Abby. laughs> oh, at first i don't like she seems really like moody but then yeah. you realize she's just intense
3: yeah <laughs> <laughs>
0: just giving everything every moment
2: <laughs> like there is no such thing as like feeling a little bit with her she doesn't feel a little bit of anything she just feels a lot of everything <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> at any given moment um, she
0: was the one so when the friends discover may's like form like the the panda form like abby's like change into the panda i want to hug you i want <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> and she's like having like uh, withdrawal symptoms like i just need, a, i just need a hit of that
2: yeah oh i think the uh the guy as well
0: oh the dad or the no tyler. the
2: kids. tyler yeah. yeah i think he's um one a character that i can like see actually see in a lot of people that i went to school with
0: yeah so he was kind of like the school bully which uh if, if bullies were like that in my school it would be it yeah it would have been an easier ride um, yeah but, was, um, but in this story he was the he was the bully where yeah it, it turned out like he's a four-town i think we should talk about four-town as well Four, they, oh yeah know, he was a four-town I mean, fan along with the girls
2: they were literally like stereotypical 90s early 2000s (laughs) boy bands like
0: like... boys NSYNC yeah uh, (laughs) all those guys I quite liked Jin dad just because well one he could cook and I like that I like when like the the male character because you know as we talk about stereotypes and stuff uh, sometimes like the dad is like oh uh, can't take care of the household but you know he was cooking and everyone liked his cooking but then I did relate to him. So there's a couple of moments like I mentioned before about when the mum was like, oh, it's, it's that time. She's so like, oh, I'm gone. And then I think just before that, when May was in the bathroom screaming, oh, there was a moment like he was going to, he was trying to take a bit of food or something before it was ready. And the mum was like, no. And <laughs> <Yeah. when> May was <laughs> well, screaming and she was distracted. He just like nipped in there like a proper <laughs> <in there>. opportunist. <laughs>
2: Yeah and I like that the way that um he was like sort of like because Ming's a really strong character. Yeah. And I've seen that before with a couple where the woman is like the really strong headed person in the relationship Mm. and then the husband's just kind of like
0: the. Along for the ride.
2: Along for the ride yeah and really sees the the soft side of them that maybe not that a lot of people don't get a chance to see and i think they portrayed that really well
0: yeah but then he also brought like the perspective that helped may in yeah because when he saw so like as may was in her panda form and you know exploiting that for for financial purposes and she was recording like their experiences and then he saw that and it's like you know what this side of you it made me laugh and that, yeah. that is a valid side of you that you shouldn't necessarily like close off
2: and he seems like like a sort of like backseat dad but he's actually not mm. <laughs> he's just there when he needs to be
0: <laughs> yeah yeah
2: he knows when he's needed and knows when he's not <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah i like that i, I appreciated uh the dad uh, in this and I also appreciate the aunties. Just have to uh, shout that out again. And I, I love the relationship between. So you had the aunties, but then obviously they're led by uh, Grandma Wu. And how again going back to that relatability thing, that understanding that dynamic. So you have the you have May, her mum, and their relationship, and then you see how the mum's relationship, our Ming's relationship, was affected or changes with <laughs> Grandma Wu being on the phone and the way she mm-hmm. talks to her, and then the aunties as well. I was like, everyone, like, I, I just understood, like, the dynamics, like, and yeah. the aunties when they came, and they were, like, the, the foot soldiers <laughs> for the leader <laughs> that was the the grandma, and how they were just, like, picking and poking and podding around um, yeah. May, and I just, I get that, <laughs> I get that.
2: I don't know if you've seen a film, Crazy Rich Asians.
0: Oh, you know what I haven't? Aquafina.
2: Yeah, I mm-hmm. sort of got the aunties from that kind of vibe but also i was gonna just say can we take a moment to appreciate that they kind of done like an avengers assemble but of aunties (laughs) yeah yeah yeah
0: that was one of my favorite moments in this
2: and i was like yes (laughs) and like when when i was watching it i was like just a whole story came into my imagination of like super like aunties like superhero film and I was yeah. like that would be such a good film
3: <laughs> I can see
0: that such a good film like yeah no so like I can definitely recognize people and relate to certain like characters uh in this and yeah I felt the characters also I mean like when you get in, like into a narrative and you have the characters like delivering on the themes so we, like we can talk about the themes as well and how you saw that delivered in the characters so if i link the themes and, and it, of the story you had that relationship between may and ming and that high expectation placed on children um, mm. by parents and i i got that especially so especially for minority parents where like the, the child is sort of first generation in this country and the parents have come from uh, a different country because it's like you have to take this opportunity like we have this opportunity and uh, i want you to make the best of it and especially mm-hmm. when it's uh, an only child as well. Yeah. And yeah, I, I, well, I've got siblings, but like there's a gap. So in a, in a way, not an only child, but in a way there's love, like only child adjacent <laughs> uh, upbringing. Um, so I, I understood that where like there's a lot of expectation placed on mm-hmm. you. So I don't know how you felt about that one.
2: Yeah, no, I definitely saw that. And I am not an only child but obviously, I have friends who are only child, child only child, only children. Um, and there's kind of like the two different types of only children. And it's the one where like all the pressure and expectations. Um, and like you said, um, a lot of the time, that's like really true in minority parents. Or you get like the overly spoiled, everything's happened to them. child so but I like I definitely saw like um like other people's experience in that and that pressure that is put on and also like firstborns get that kind of pressure as well
0: that too uh so yeah no I I I felt that one and almost to a certain extent where is this as much a film for parents just to get an understanding because there's a moment where I think where Ming ends up in school no, when they go to the convenience store after she's uh, embarrassed mm, in front of oh everyone, and she's like, "Is there anything else I should know about?" And that moment, I wanted to, like, there were certain parents I just want to see and understand what's happening in that moment because May essentially shuts down because mm. she's like, "Well, I've seen what you just did there to something that wasn't even anything. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't so obviously. I'm not telling you anything else." Anything. And it's like, yeah. "You think you're." doing the right thing by the parents but the child shuts down uh, and i know i had moments like in when i was growing up where i did a similar thing just because of so you didn't want the re- certain reactions
2: yeah definitely i think i think i i mean i said it f- from the top based on the references that this is for parents <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but yeah definitely even some of the themes is definitely like it's de- this is what you call a family film because it mm-hmm. is quite it is one that You will sit down as a family. You can watch it together as a family, but also it has messages and lessons for everyone in the family like, literally everyone. I think the only one missing is like grandpa.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, certainly everyone can take something. And something I took, which I didn't quite, maybe I wouldn't have appreciated like before watching this or at least not recently, but the idea of intergenerational trauma. Yeah. And how, because May is dealing with, relationship issues with her mother and the way her mother is because of the way her grandmother was and their relationship between her mom and her grandmother and another key moment for me in in terms of this theme was when they discover when May discovers the her panda her red panda form the parents are like oh it's it's this so we have to have this talk and we have to explain what this is about and how Ming never actually says what happened with her panda Mm. until the end of the film. And it's that, I don't know what it is, but it's like she's been through something with the way her relationship with uh, Grandma Wu, but she's just passed it down in terms of the way she responds and reacts to Mei without necessarily explaining anything. She's like, I'm just going to be like this because this is what happened to me. And that was quite insightful uh to me because like oh because no one it's a communication thing like no one says anything they just act out yeah and then you're like passing that trauma on uh, to the to the child without necessarily explaining like oh this is why I might be like this and this is what happened to me
2: and quite directly as well and also quite directly because there's the point where grandma calls and it's like right I'm coming da 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 And then Ming immediately then puts that stress on May in terms of like, this is how it's got to be done rather than like taking the time to deal with it based on May's experience, which is different from Ming's, which would have been different from uh, grandma's. And like intergenerational trauma is like a really interesting thing as well that like I've been reading on more frequently recently. And I feel like is being talked about more and recognized more. Of all these, all this trauma that we sort of like take on from our family members that just kind of gets passed down without anyone really taking the time to talk about it, which is very pre- prevalent, pre- prevalent, that is how you say it, right?
3: Yeah.
2: <laughs> um In minority families as well. Like, I feel like it's more, more, because you don't really talk about stuff.
3: <laughs> yeah. I feel very... you deal with it. You've
2: got to be strong and you've, especially if you've then, Moves to a country, and you've got to make the most of that opportunity. That intergenerational trauma happens even more.
0: <laughs> no, for sure, and it's something I feel very like ignorant of. So mm. just when it was brought up in in this film, like oh yeah, I, I can I can understand that uh, a bit better. So yeah, again, um, I mean, we spoke about this—the experience of puberty for girls—and just striking me that you know we see a lot of stories that talk about the experience for for boys. And there are fewer uh, for girls, so uh, I feel like the film tries to show like the differences, obviously the, the clear differences, but also some of the similarities. So we saw so, uh, like May being attracted to Devon or whatever his name was, and getting caught up in that way. But then also there's that scene where uh, they were at some kind of sports game. And, where oh, and they're like, like
2: watching the yeah watching the, and they're like commenting on like
0: which guy's hot yeah so some <laughs> like objectifying in in that way but it's always like a kind of like oh yeah like girls do this as well yeah and they have yeah those, those kind of like thoughts and then feelings and again just seeing another perspective and like oh okay there's some similarities there as well as the the differences that are shown throughout
2: yeah definitely and like the um there is very few stories about girls, other than like girl falls in love.
3: <laughs> yeah, That's yeah, like the
2: the general is like it's it's always a a story about a girl being attracted to a guy when it comes to like girls' experiences, and like specifically like falling in love rather than the part where you know we do objectify, <laughs> especially in school. Like you know just we used to play this game called smash in school no mash sorry and you write the letters m a s h out which stands for what does it stand for (laughs) i don't know but you put the name the four names of guys that you like four places to live four job roles and like number of kids or something oh wow
0: it's like a
3: whole
2: <laughs> <laughs> and then you like get a random number normally by drawing a spiral your friend draws a spiral and you randomly say stop and then you count how many lines are in between a spiral and then you go through and you cross out, you count that number and you cross out each one that it lands on. And then eventually you have one name of a boy, what, <laughs> the amount of kids you're going to have, where you're going to live and what job you're going to have.
0: Um, <laughs> wow. Was that a girl thing? Cause I, that,
2: <laughs> that was a girl thing. Yes. Um, I mean, some of the guys took part in it as well, but it was okay. it, It's mainly that's a, lot a girl thing.
0: That was like, that's a lot of future planning and like, okay. <laughs>
2: I mean, how many classes in secondary school did you pay attention in
0: (laughs) fair point um this is just what we've done it wasn't wasn't great but yeah
2: I tried tried Um, to that was our distraction yeah and like I mean I had a crush on a new guy like every week essentially yeah
0: Yeah. but I think for boys again to the point of like Simpler, just like it's more of a straight line, yeah. Thing, so yeah, so,
2: it's like that similarity is always there. And I think, I think we just forget. But the theme that you didn't notice that I did was yes. the different personalities, yes, representing different moods. Which maybe it's because I experience periods, yeah, and bro- So, these <laughs> <laughs>
3: probably easier for you to spot,
2: yeah. So, like, obviously, um for women like we're very very aware of our moods mm. i feel like men are less aware of their changing moods
0: yeah <laughs> in general right reason, to be honest, <laughs> become aware of it since like 2020 <laughs> in, a, in a big way but yeah
2: but and and especially like your moods when you're on your period so may is kind of like everyone in one she doesn't have a specific emotion that's strongly attached to her
0: Okay, so she's like the everyday.
2: Yeah. Abby is obviously <laughs> very intense. And I feel like she represents the, A, the intensity of moods, and B, just like how dramatically they can switch. Because she just gets excitable. Or...
0: Yeah. Or she, she she doesn't even get She stays. She <laughs> so, stays. I don't know where she got there, but she stayed there ever since.
2: <laughs> but It's like even down to like, I just want to hug you.
0: Like... It's- <laughs>
2: just and that's like very much how some of your feelings can feel when you're on your and especially when you're a teenager like both girls and boys experience like intense hormone changes yeah so that like i'm sure you had like intense emotions actually i don't know if you did i've not really known you to have any intense emotions (laughs) um but, you know, a good majority of like kids in general, when they're going through that puberty stage, have like really intense emotions. I feel like that's, that's Abby. I'd... Mm. But then we also have Priya, which she's just that everything's kind of a drag.
3: <laughs>
2: everything's a bit of effort. <laughs> she's not that enthusiastic. <laughs> Most of the time she's not that. Yeah, she's just so done. She's just so done with everything. she's she's just yeah had enough she's just whatever kind of reminds me of
0: uh
2: from naruto oh my god why can i not think of his name Uh, shikamaru
0: okay i need to watch more naruto that's why everything's just a drag (laughs)
3: yeah
2: (laughs) but that is like that's genuinely like a mood you get to that point well i don't obviously not everyone but a lot of people get to that point where you're just done i'm so over this just so over this and then we have Miriam.
0: She's an interesting one.
2: She's an interesting one, yeah. I don't even know what she is
0: in terms <laughs> of emotions. I think she's like, she's quite sensible, right? Yeah, I was going to say she she felt like the m- more mature one in some ways. I don't know if mature is the right word. Mm. She more like
2: thinks about the consequences of things. And yeah, and I feel like that's the more like, analytical uh point that you get to okay but i definitely feel like they're bits of a whole person (laughs) represented in characters
0: i can see that now
2: i mean i'm sure someone else could i'm sure if you had time you would have been able to better explain that (laughs) but (laughs) (laughs)
0: But I, i get what you mean yeah they're very much like drawing up certain personality traits and like putting those in each of the characters
2: yeah so like you might be able to pick out bits of each character in yourself i definitely did i'm definitely abby a,
0: a lot i spent a lot of time with priya because <laughs> 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 um, the thing about that character is like they because she does she obviously cares because she's in the group and yeah she's in so but it's just like the way she is <laughs> yeah. uh, and i get that where you yeah, know people think uh, a certain thing about you but you know you, you do care it's just just the way you are yeah. So <laughs> yeah. So yeah, hope everyone listening learned something from that. Um, we do have some reflection and stuff to do on cause this is episode one hundred, so we're gonna do some of that, but final thoughts on I was going to say Inside Out for a second. It's like, wrong, wrong, wrong <laughs> Pixar franchise. um On Turning Red. One thing I do want to point out is just interesting to see like Pixar's relationship with antagonist characters because there's not so much an antagonist in this. And they've done this before. Actually, that's probably why I was thinking of Inside Out because Inside Out is the other thing where there's not necessarily uh, an antagonist character. And I think one of the, the stories that came out of this from cbr.com com saying like in earlier stages, uh, Ming, uh, May's mother, wasn't a supportive and lo- loving mother. Instead, she would try to monetize May's red panda, exploiting her daughter for money. This changed after the creators noticed that it made Ming a less complex character. And that's quite interesting for two reasons. Mm-hmm. Is One, that's a very different story. Yeah. Because um, for all the... The the Tiger Mum stuff, like I Ming mean, is supportive and caring. It's just the way she does it is, is overbearing and embarrassing. But her like being the one to monetize May's panda form, that's a completely different view of the of the cat and, and feels more antagonistic versus what we've got where there's no out and out antagonist. Well until kaiju panda. Um <laughs> but yeah, it's just it's more about the journey it's more about the journey. And yeah like so, a maze journey maze development so i thought that was interesting
2: yeah a maze conflict with herself and i think that's a much better story to tell than like having a specific antagonist and it being more of an inner conflict yeah or a like conflict of growth yeah because it's a bit like kiki's delivery service right where there's no there's no villain there's no antagonist it's just the struggles that you come across as a young woman finding their way in a world like it's great i do feel like though i don't think there's a lot of story about like from a male perspective of having inner conflict
0: Uh, i mean i'm thinking anime but like in western cartoons yeah probably not because you don't necessarily like those characters don't tend to be the lead characters
2: yeah yeah
0: uh, which is another reason why i like um, anime because you get those characters as lead and you see them go through the the inner conflict and yeah one of my favorites in anime is is going Lagan, because it, <laughs> it's about a character just <laughs> who goes through self-doubt and has the what is the side character still a main character but a side character is who you'd expect to be a main you're character, a main character yeah. but he's like no you are the the person i believe in you and you're gonna change the world and it's one of the reasons why that's one of my favorite favorite shows
2: yeah i never actually finished that i started it
0: oh, okay it's, it's so good i need to watch i that
2: again. i can't i can't get into it sorry i really oh, struggled because really you gave it so much praise like it was like <laughs> mid pandemic i'm pretty sure so yes. i was like yeah and it was on like channel four so i could watch it online on channel four and oh, uh
0: what i will say is i watched it Subbed, and then I saw it was on Channel Four, and I started watching it just to see what it's like. And I was I was put off by it. Okay, it just, it maybe that's the issue. It just had a different. I was like, oh, this is this doesn't feel the same. Maybe it had
2: a different tone to it. Yeah, maybe I need to try again. Subbed, and then see how try I... it subbed,
0: and if you still don't like it, uh, i then we'll agree to disagree. But...
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's not what yeah, we're yes, talking about. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um <laughs> any other final thoughts from uh from you
2: i i mean i know i've talked about references but i like just remembered another reference and i just i need to watch it again and try and pick out all the 2000s references <laughs> but there was like a book that was like twilight <laughs> i don't know what um... it was called but i think prior was reading it and i was like oh look she's reading Twilight. <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, "Oh my god, this film! Like, there's so many, (laughs) so many references that, like, I think I need to go through and like just, I think, do reference bingo, two thousands reference bingo with this."
0: I'm very curious now to bring this up in a workshop and see what young people today think of it, because as you're saying, I'm like, yeah, a lot of these references you kind of you had to be there, (laughs) and uh, so kids watching it now weren't there.
2: Oh, and I love that. Ming's, what she trapped her red panda in the second time was the Tamagotchi, and then she had to live with yeah, yeah.
3: that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that was hilarious. That was so well oh, yeah. done. that's great.
0: One thing that stood out to me, and I thought of it at the time, and then they sort of addressed it, but there was a plot hole in this because I was I was thinking there is absolutely no way that this mum has not been under her bed already. <laughs> oh um, yeah! Like, I mean I know she got there eventually but I'm like no no, no. she's she's been there right uh, you need to put this stuff under the floorboards because <laughs> I, I do not believe that this mum has not examined your whole under the bed situation but
2: yeah definitely like that is not a suitable hiding place in a <laughs> no. house with a mom like that no, no. For sure no. I know I didn't no. have a mom like that but I know people that did yeah, <laughs>
3: yeah
2: and uh definitely not i do oh, i need to go back and watch it again actually yeah really good film
0: so there you go so that is our uh that is our take those are our thoughts on the controversy and the story that is turning red uh let us know your thoughts especially if you have a different view on the whole controversy uh side of it um as always you can let us know what you think about this episode feedback at com. And now we're going to get into this week's storytelling tip. Each time we do a deep dive on the podcast, I like to pull out a storytelling tip for others to consider when making their stories. This is a consideration from someone who also creates stories and likes to learn from the techniques or mistakes of others. So, for today's episode, I wanted to discuss low stakes with big meaning because this is a tip about keeping your audience engaged. So, stakes in a story is keeping them engaged over the course of the narrative. But what I liked about Turning Red is that those stakes don't need to be world ending to be meaningful. In general, let's look at creating stakes for a story. The key for creating high impactful stakes in your story. Is about creating compelling characters and strong themes so stakes are only really important as they relate to your character's journey and i would also add to your narrative themes so with your characters it's about having an outcome where something important is at risk so this means identifying what your protagonist wants how they plan to achieve it and why they want to achieve their goal so in turning red we see may's goal is to make it to her first concert and see Town with her friends. But this isn't just about going to a concert. In her own words, it's about becoming a woman and gaining a measure of independence from her mother. So the director, Domi Shi, acknowledged this and said, It just feels right that May's ultimate goal in the movie was not to save the world, but to go to her first concert with her best friends that felt so 13 and so character-specific and perfect. And I agree with that. So in the grand scheme of things, missing out on a concert is not a big deal. The world will continue to turn, whether she's there or not. But to our protagonist, May, it's everything. And the story puts in the work to set up the meaning of the concert to May and her friends. And in the process, gets us, the audience, to invest in the outcome of her efforts to attend the show. We know what it means to her and we know why it's important to her. So for example, The Dark Knight is an excellent case of low stakes with profound meaning. Uh, I've spoken about this before, go back to episode 23. Uh, The third act of this film boils down to game theory with The Prisoner's Dilemma, uh, where we see the Joker rig two boats that are leaving Gotham City with explosive and gives the passengers on each boat the trigger for the other. One boat contains average people, but the other contains prisoners. One of the boats must blow up the other before midnight, or the Joker will detonate both, killing everyone. So not to sound completely uncaring for human life, but if we were to compare this to Infinity War's Wipe Out Half the Universe stakes, two ferry boats full of passengers seems small. But it works here because it's not just about the lives on the boat, it's about what it means to the story's characters and themes. So the Joker assumes it's inevitable that one of the boats will blow up the other, because he believes that most people are like him, only out for themselves. It's central to the conflict for the film, and both Batman and Joker fall on either side. One believes people can rise to the greater good, and the other believes everyone is one bad day away from being him. The stakes hit right at the heart of the theme of the story and even though the world will continue to turn regardless of the outcome it matters and in turning red we see a coming-of-age story about a child gaining independence from her parents well specifically the mom may seeing four takes on more meaning in the in that context of becoming her own woman we also know what may is risking by attending the concert it's no accident That the concert falls on the same date as the ritual to rid her of her red panda side. She has to choose what she values most and she can't have both. So these are the high stakes that are high to her and by that point to us as well. Uh, But that's not to say that world ending stakes are bad but even if the literal world is at stake you can still make the outcome meaningful to your characters. For example in Avengers Endgame we see our protagonists fight to restore the half of the universe that has been wiped out by Thanos but along the journey that is recovering the infinity stones we also see what the journey means to each characters so we see what is now a much more gray area Steve Rogers come to terms with the man that he used to be we see Tony uh, resolve his long-standing issues with his father uh, we even see Thor having to process and deal with loss and failure so it's not just about the fate of the universe or half the universe but it's the meaning of the journey we've been on with these characters. So here are a few tips for creating low stakes with high meaning in your stories. So number one, you want to identify what your character or characters want. It's really important to have a protagonist who has some kind of clearly defined goal, something that they want, whether it's explicitly spoken or not. Number two is to lay out the plan to achieve that goal. So this can be shown in so many different ways. If it's a high story, literally showing the plan, uh, but it doesn't have to be that on the nose, so to speak. But depending on your story, you want the audience to have some idea of how your characters will go about achieving the goal that they want. And it's essential to building your plot as it's not only about how they plan to achieve the goal, but who or what is in their way. That is the conflict and there should almost always be conflict along the way to the goal. And the third and final one is be clear on the why. Why does any of this matter to your protagonist on an emotional level? Not only must you be clear on why this goal is important to your protagonist, but what they are willing to risk to get it. What will they give up in order to achieve that goal? So by connecting a clear why in the minds of your audience will go a long way to getting them to invest in the outcome and even if there are low stakes, you can still have a big meaning in your story. That's the tip for this episode. You can send us what your thoughts, your feedback and your tips and we'll read them out on the show. So whether it's a comic, a manga, game book or something else, you can send them across to feedback at myamada.com or join the Discord and let us know there. Right, so before we end this episode, that is episode 100, We're going to do a bit of reflection on the past 99 episodes, so let's do that. (laughs) I don't know, well, I mean, this is the first 100 episodes we've done, so I don't know how this is supposed to go, but what I thought uh, I would do is just quickly recap some highlights. So I'll put like a list of highlights, and then, yeah, you just share your thoughts. I don't know how we do this, but (laughs) (laughs) uh, I do want to point out, so I mentioned at the very beginning, you heard... Me and Lau start off a show that was never released. Our first official podcast episode uh, was in 2019, where we talked about the Avengers Endgame film. So, had a discussion about that. We then had, so that was in May 2019. In June, we had Tazzy on as a guest, where we talked more MCU. So, Mm. uh, yeah, we had Tazzy on. Then quickly after we swapped out Lau and got in Tazzy, who became I was the just host.
3: so good <laughs> I was so on good. that was like, episode. <laughs> Lau, you're out!
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> no, so in in between that period, uh, Lau stepped down from being an active part of of Maya Madder. So uh, I was just I think I was saying this to Tazzy earlier that there was a point where I didn't want to be the host. Of the, I specifically <laughs> didn't want to be the host. I wanted Lau to be the host, partly because it was his idea, but also I just felt like prefer to be in the background relatively speaking and then and then he left i was like oh well now i've got a host this thing but i need someone else i'll set you up there he <laughs> really did it's like it lasted two episodes he's like i'm out like thanks Lau. <laughs> so Tazzy became host in august of 2019 in october of that year we had our first gaming roundtable episode in december of that year we had our first live uh, episode and when i say live i don't mean live stream that's coming our first in person, so we wanted to do uh, an yeah. in person event. The event side didn't happen, but we still got together, recorded a live episode.
3: Oh
2: my god, we had so much fun recording that live episode. Yeah, yeah. Well. I, like, we, we spent were a in... long
0: time. That was a long yeah. day. We thought it would be quick, and we just like hung it out. Was for like a social event. Like yeah.
2: we were literally <laughs> crying with laughter at points. <laughs> yeah, it was so funny. I also wanted to comment on the first. Episode that I was co-host was Toy Story. Toy Story, which is also a Pixar yeah, Disney Pixar. movie, yeah. <laughs> and we had an existential crisis.
0: <laughs> yes, first of uh, first of a few, I think. <laughs> yep, we had our first existential crisis. Uh, that's also in the timeline. <laughs> Just what is life? What is it all about? Uh, and why are we here? What are we even doing? So. Yeah, that was Tassie's first, <laughs> first episode <laughs> Um, setting the scene. In uh, March of 2020, we had our first episode of the pandemic, which was actually on the day the UK went into lockdown. So the 21st, 23rd sorry, of March. We also had our first interview episode on that day as well. So uh, boy, how, how little did we know we thought that would be done <laughs> by summer. Um, we moved back to normal, but here we are. In April of 2020, we had our, I guess, what kind of became our first crossover thing collaboration. (laughs) So we uh, invited Greg Driver from Ace Comicals to talk about the Dark Knight, and then went on the Ace Comicals podcast to talk about I can't remember which Batman comic, but uh, as he looks over on his shelf by Batman comic, and then we've done that uh, a couple times now. So we've done it with um, Eternals, and then we've been on their show as well. So that was cool. Uh, high point for me was uh, August of 2020 when we spoke about Avatar: The <laughs> Last Airbender. It was a fantastic moment with Erin uh, and Giolini. Uh, low point for Tazzy is September when we talked about Ready Player One. Um, so yeah, we had uh, there's been ups and downs uh, on the show. December of 2020, we had our first podcast live stream on Twitch, and also in that month, our first wrapped episode where Tazzy and I wrapped up our. Uh, favorite stories of the year and we learned if we didn't know already that Tazzy hates picking favorites which is why we did it again every year. Yeah it was the first time Nigel decided to torture me. Yes not last. In February of 2021 we rebranded so we got some proper graphics done we got some I think we got some music done at the same time and yeah we were kind of on our way we had like a full season behind us season three uh, and in that season i mean there's a bunch of things but one of the highlights for me is uh, getting to interview bob cheshire who's a concept artist for marvel uh, more disney so he does like i think star wars stuff and other things as well what was also cool uh, about Bob, and maybe he's watching or listening now, is that he actually listens to, uh, to the show, which is is not a prerequisite for guests, <laughs> but uh, appreciated. So, like, um, every so often we get like messages from Bob that he's listening. And I always want to say, like, you know, you don't have to, but hey, um, it's his <laughs> we choice. We appreciate so it. Yeah. We appreciate it. We uh, appreciate
2: Bob. that you think we're good enough to spend time listening to us. And that goes for everyone that listens to the podcast, not just Bob.
0: <laughs> yeah yeah no, it, you know it's, it's surprising i shouldn't say surprising because that's kind of why we do these things for for people to listen but when people say hey i listened to the episode i'm like oh okay cool <laughs> there's still an element of surprise there that you actually listen to it but yeah. Uh, yeah thank you i mean we've done there's a bunch of highlights from season three and we're now into season four um but yeah no thank you to everyone for for listening to us for a hundred episodes technically a hundred plus but a bunch of those have been like rewind episodes so a uh, hundred numbered episodes
2: Woo. <laughs> <laughs> i can't believe that it's it's a hundred episodes or
0: 96 for
2: me <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah we'll get you to 100 <laughs> um so any highlights for you
2: definitely live i repeat just because that was like i'm still just in a state of wow that was a really unexpectedly amazing movie <laughs>
0: yeah so i think like for some background because we i think we had so gary swaby on that show because when we we try and put like we match up guests to what they might be interested in so just makes for a better conversation and just makes sense so Mm -hmm. gary had uh, interest in like sci-fi so we're looking for something and then i i spotted that that fit so i was like okay this fits without necessarily having any expectations I think no one had much expectation. None just, of
2: us had watched it, right? Or had you none, watched yeah, it?
0: I had watched it. I don't think I... No, no, I hadn't. So it's yeah. new to me. None of us had watched it. Oh, no, I thought I'd watched it, but that was a different film. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mentioned that on the episode. Yeah, I thought I'd seen it, but I hadn't. But so none of us had seen it, and we were all like, oh, actually, this is this is really good. Why have we not seen this before? And it just yeah. it just stuck like as the biggest surprise.
2: <laughs> and then... I think, yeah, interviewing Bob Cheshire was definitely one. I think just all the interviews are a highlight for me because they're always so interesting. And a lot of the time, I don't know who the guest is ahead of time.
3: Because
2: <laughs> <laughs> Nigel like, plans out everything and I just sort of say yes to the invite. <laughs> um, and sometimes the guest isn't actually like in there until last
0: minute. Or... Yeah, yeah, there's been a few last minute
2: yeah or like i see the name but because nigel's not done the the show notes yet i don't have the social links so i've not had a chance to like check them out until like that day <laughs> <laughs> and then sometimes i'm like really surprised i'm like oh oh this person's worked on like all these cool things i'm like oh my yeah. god
0: <laughs> and just hearing their journey as well like even yeah. in, like our recent uh interview with jahara jade and just Both of us assuming she'd been cosplaying for years, and she only started since the pandemic. And (laughs) you can still hear the the gasp from both of us.
2: (laughs) And just yeah, I really, really, really like the interviews. They're they're just so insightful, and there's always something like us as hosts can take away. So as we keep
0: saying, the interviews are for us.
2: Yeah. (laughs) So I just hope that equally there's enough for everyone else to take away from those, but i'm trying to think of specific highlights there's just so many times like i've been just laughing like crying with laughter on the podcast and people's reactions to craig
0: oh yeah that's <laughs> yeah i love that that
2: <laughs> uh, should be in highlights um us switching from skype which was terrible
0: oh, yeah 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 did <laughs> to nigel
2: finally yes <laughs> learning how to use discord
0: <laughs> yes actually that did happen in there so uh we started recording on skype and it was a whole process to uh, record to edit that and then you mentioned discord which i'd never heard of at the time or well, i had heard of but i never didn't have an interest in so it took some convincing to get and a fair few episodes
2: yeah you said you was gonna have a look into doing it and is it was it that i ice- comicals oh,
0: yeah actually it was it was because greg had we had we were on their podcast and he used this cord i was like oh, okay this is how it works okay I can, yeah <laughs> i could <can> do this
2: <laughs> um so yeah so, yeah you gotta see, yeah, got see it to believe it so like it took a good while from and skype the only reason skype was installed on my computer was for the <laughs> podcast <laughs> And I was like, please, can we switch over so I can uninstall it yeah, can, for no other reason to have Skype?
0: <laughs> to be fair, I haven't used it since. So.
2: And it's such an, it got to a point where it was just such an annoying app. It's, Skype just stopped being good. It was just invasive. I, I, I hope like, my
0: hands up. We, uh, we yeah. should switch there way <laughs> earlier.
2: That was definitely a highlight. <laughs> <that> <laughs>
0: so yeah i think one of the um, the many highlights for me is just getting so i like the episodes where we get different people on so sometimes we have one guest uh, sometimes we have two uh, so when we have two or when we have like the round table Mm -hmm. just getting different perspectives so people who might not necessarily agree with each other but hearing other people sort of debate and particularly on the speaking of ace comicals on the eternals podcast because that was like a (laughs) great example we had the whole I mean one it was like a, a bumper number of guests we had three guests plus us and mm. we had a whole range of um uh, opinions from sort of Tazzy liking it all the way to I'm gonna say Vic hating it and then everyone <laughs> else in the somewhere middle. in
2: between yeah. yeah 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 I think that's one of my favorite things about the podcast I, I think we've got like a really cool dynamic because i'm often the optimist i would call myself i like to like things, like to like things for the most part except for that one I'm ready film player ready one, player one that i <laughs> very passionately dislike <laughs> uh, which rarely i feel like rarely happens for me to like dislike (laughs) something at all like passionately despite like like sometimes I'm like oh okay it wasn't the greatest but it was still fun (laughs) (laughs) yeah I feel like we've got a good dynamic because I'm you often highlight things that are wrong in (laughs) films they just go straight over my head
0: this is why it's wrong you shouldn't like it <laughs> let me explain this to you
2: and i'm like oh, okay i understand that i mean i still enjoy it but now i get why other people don't like it <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> yeah so trying to see other perspectives and uh it helps me as like making stories i think that's like one of the, the good things is as well as first of all like throughout the pandemic this being one of the consistent pretty much the only consistent thing yeah uh, i can do uh, and as i didn't fully appreciate at the time because i was going through other stuff that it's good to talk sometimes yeah. even if it's only for this period of time so that kept that going consistently but then also found is that cliche the best way to learn is to teach and yeah I mean I'm not teaching but um to do the story tips and everything I actually have to learn and look into things and I think of them myself so then I think oh how could I do this for my matter stories so that's gonna mm. help for me so that's something yeah. I've learned and enjoyed as well
2: I think through the pandemic there was weeks where you were the only person I spoke to because yeah
0: of the I, can, I, can, I can see that yeah no it definitely is like a bit of a lifeline uh in that for us both and i think anything for the next 100 well i guess a good question would you like to do another 100 episodes <laughs> yes i'm looking
2: forward to our 200 episode uh yeah, I know, right? episode a... um so give us ideas for what we should do for that <laughs>
3: <laughs> and
0: then things you'd like to see i don't know what i'd like to see. oh i know what i'd like to see is is live more live podcasts, yes. like in person in like person event, podcast events i think that's one of the things i want to work on that would be really really cool i definitely want to see some of those it'd
2: be great to i do you know what i want to see in the next 100 episodes and listeners this this relies literally relies on you is i want to get more of you are listeners more of your questions and input on things so don't be shy we say it every episode and i feel like not all of you really you're not
0: taking us seriously
2: take it seriously well, i think you're tuning you like, out
0: before we get to that point in a podcast which is also possible
2: <laughs> i feel like you're maybe thinking they don't really want us but we do we really 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 do want your questions and we feedback i want you Jason, I, we want
0: we probably got some Jason's and abby's
2: because it is i mean sometimes we do get get some some questions but it really is it's nice to answer your questions and yeah it doesn't look they can be they can be like no questions stupid you know
0: yeah for the most part for the most part (laughs) yeah we'll judge
2: well yeah we can we can we can pick which ones if we really don't want to answer it we can just not answer it so just send them in (laughs) because you don't you don't ask you don't get and even just like comments on previous shows you can send us in and we can um we can go back on something because obviously you're when you're listening to this to each episode we've already spoken about a preview for whatever but you can you can still ask us a question
0: and we can yeah yeah we, we can, can have we go back yeah yeah I think yeah definitely getting more feedback from people hearing what people think um, about the stories that we discuss um, about the episodes in general yes yeah, let's know definitely don't be shy about sending us your comments your questions
2: or guests that you particularly want on the show
0: yeah actually I was just gonna say that in terms of like getting sort of more guests something we want to see just getting a just increasing like diversity of guests. So if there's people that you think we should be talking to. Let us know. It'd Be great to get sort of new people. Uh, obviously, getting people we know back on because that's always good. Uh, <laughs> makes explanation of the show format and everything way easier when people already know uh, the format. But um, yeah, new guests getting. I think for us, getting guests who are like in. Uh, I was gonna say in Hollywood, not necessarily just exclusively <laughs> to Hollywood, but you know, get some people. Uh, who are working on these um, these big yeah. budget films to give some insight for those that are learning to create stories and just interested in the behind the scenes.
2: Yeah another thing that I sort of like want to do uh, in the next 100 is maybe some more games short games.
0: Yeah definitely short because both of us take ages to get to and finish games so They'll just if, have to. Be. I get around to finish get, finishing games. <laughs> if yeah, <laughs> so yeah,
2: yeah. So if you've got any suggestion for games that take like like five six hours,
0: was, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's good. That have
2: some story that we can talk about. uh Please send them send them our way. And um, and I should
0: have mentioned in that timeline uh, at some point in there, we started a story club. Oh yes, we did. Which where we look at um deep dives into comics all video games live on twitch so that's a slightly different format uh, and one that i really like as well
2: yeah i do as well and i think
0: that they're really good ones
2: oh highlight how has this not been either of our highlight talking about arcane
0: oh wow <laughs> okay <laughs> well, i guess it goes without saying uh, and also because we probably haven't finished <laughs> we're probably going to do <laughs> more recaps on that and we yeah. to season two but yes talking I about we've had a,
2: we've had a few ideas for like how we can do more arcane yes,
0: discussions we, you will be hearing us talk more about arcane because we were not finished in that yeah. hour and a half that, that we spoke about it that was yeah if you have not watched arcane just go what watch doing? it yeah go watch that. <laughs> this is your homework yes yeah. <laughs> so yeah absolute memorable moment for sure and also getting to talk about it uh with wesley lewis from the line animation yeah. who have also worked on league of legends animation with uh riot games so getting some that's the thing like getting some expertise from people yeah uh, as well as getting to talk about things that we highly highly enjoy Arcane's yeah. great can you tell we like arcane
2: i know it's, i feel like it's the first one that we've both like been equally excited about <laughs> yeah. and yeah. that that's awesome like there's things we've both been excited about but to this level we've both been to this yes. level and it was really cool that we got to Talks to someone that like so directly uh is linked to obviously not to the show but to the franchise and has yes. worked on that franchise and can can appreciate it in different ways that we literally have no idea yeah.
0: about That's the best thing about getting guests is that they fill in all the gaps that we don't we don't know
2: i've just thought of another thing um getting sponsorship for the podcast yeah <laughs> so <laughs> yeah in the next 100 episodes i want us to have a sponsor yes So, uh, if you know
0: if you are someone that is in charge of <laughs> if you yeah if you know someone with deep pockets companies throw that money at us because uh there's lots we can do so
2: i feel like any cinema would be a good sponsorship for us yeah Streaming platform.
0: Into <laughs> so you know you can put some of that back into, into us
2: <laughs> but also like a lot of other things Maybe like something to do with roaring. We could be sort of, stories. Yeah, there's a lot of brand yeah. opportunities here. Uh, yeah. We are happy to
0: sell out Come on, people. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: there's,
0: there's potential here. We're doing stuff, so let us know. So, I mean, yeah, thank you for listening to uh, us talk for hundred episodes. We hope you continue talking for. Wait, talking? No, we do the talking. Listening. We do you the do the listening. There we go. We know how this works. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll work that out in the next 100. But yeah, um, so get in touch. Let us know what you think. Subscribe. Do all those things. Send us your feedback. We have Twitter. We have Instagram. All our social media. We have our Discord. Uh, we have email, feedback at mymatter.com. No guests. So just, again, to say thank you to everyone for... Uh, 100 episodes. Also, thank you to. We had some messages uh, from past guests on so congratulating us on 100 episodes. We'll add those into what's already a bumper episode, but we'll add another 10 minutes of that onto the end of this episode. So stick around for that. But otherwise, if you have enjoyed us talk, and again, I've said this before, but if you've got to this point, Must like something about it. Make sure you are subscribed to the podcast so you can catch the next hundred. Give us a five-star rating and review wherever you're able to do that because that helps us reach more listeners. And that's definitely one of the things that we want to get to in the next hundred, is just like increase the number of people who are listening to our story discussions and also increase the number of people who are reading my matter stories. So we have We Make Banger, just in case you weren't aware. Um, and we have a number of titles on our website, including the latest release, series Through the Fog. We also have an incoming, uh, at some point this year, a new story featuring Tazzy's character in the My Man universe. Mm. So we're going to be speaking more about that in the coming weeks and months for sure. Uh, if you are into your gaming, join the Discord and check out the Studio 77 membership. We do gamepad events um, that are free to watch on Twitch. And then we also have uh, monthly meetups and games nights with Studio 77 members. So you can consider becoming a member and you get exclusive access to those events and content uh, from the My Matter universe. And I spoke about it uh, earlier on, our Do I Look Like a Gamer video game representation campaign is live. It's been launched and we have a ton of plans uh, and uh, great supporters uh, with that. So you'll be hearing a lot more about that. It's about diversity and inclusion in the industry as well as empowering young people, the next generation to be an active part of shaping the future of video games. So you can check that out at looklikeagamer.com. And uh, we'll continue to release episodes on Thursdays that include creator interviews, video game discussions and deep dives into stories across the pop culture. You can always get in touch. Give us a shout directly. Our email address is feedback at mymatter.com. And our website with links to subscribe is MyMatter.com slash StoryXStory. So thank you again for tuning in. And until next time, uh, stay safe. uh, And like Abby, we will continue to keep this locked on 11 for the next 100 episodes. So um, (laughs) we'll speak to you all again soon. Take care, everyone.
4: Hi everyone,
0: this is Lau and we also have Nigel from MyAmeta and this is basically our very first two-person podcast. We've done a
5: few others update type podcast things on Patreon but uh, we've decided to kind of step it up a little bit and have us both on. So we
0: actually normally have this chat every month or so where we would talk about story. However, That's just finished, so we're going to now talk about a few other things for this particular discussion. It's like a bonus episode of one that never actually came out.
4: Howdy all, Uh, my name is creatively Anzi, or just Anzi, and I'm the founder of Meddling Gamers.
1: What's going on, my people? My name is Alan, and I am the researcher for Meddling Gamers.
4: Meddling Gamers is a gaming community that promotes inclusion and diversity in the video games industry. Some of our favourite genre for stories, um, I personally love sci-fi and fantasy quite a lot. I love films, novels and comics. I wouldn't say, I so I don't have one favourite. I love them all, but sci-fi and fantasy is definitely
2: at the top of the list.
1: I would say my favourites would be horror films. I just love how I can just keep counting on horror films. It just makes me laugh and so much fun, even though that's kind of weird for most people. I also enjoy my action and my narrative video games as well. I like being taken on a journey with those kind of games, yeah.
4: In terms of highlights for the podcast, it was definitely discussing all things DC. You guys know I'm a DC stand. When we I was invited for the joke podcast and we were just talking about the joke and I was obviously raving about it because it was wonderful so and in terms of advice that we would give you guys for your 100th episode congratulations by the way um just keep doing what you're doing clearly something is working (laughs) yes
1: sir keep doing what you're doing my guys I tune in and it's always amazing to watch just to see how much like depth and knowledge you guys have on everything that you know so yeah keep doing what you're doing
4: Yeah, and congratulations and happy 100th episode. Yay!
5: Woohoo! What's up everyone? I'm Dan from Dan's Distillery and it's my absolute pleasure to be invited to do this for the 100th episode of Story X Story for Mada. If you don't know who I am, I cover all things from gaming, particularly focused on Nintendo to comics, movies and pretty much anything within the pop culture realm. The so Legend of Zelda has always been one of my favourite gaming franchises and I love the way that it tells a very simple story in each of its games that somehow feel really deep, especially when you start to unravel the entire tapestry of the Zelda timeline. It's a game that can make you feel extremely powerful while at the same time take you to some very emotional places. So for that reason it's always been one of my favourite games for storytelling. As well as this, the MCU has been absolutely phenomenal. I love the way they've taken all these stories and managed to combine them in live action in movies and now also in TV. It's completely reinvigorated my love for collecting comics and just getting stuck back into those stories has never felt better. I think one of my highlights of being on this podcast, I believe, was just before the PS5 and Xbox Series consoles were released. And just talking with everyone about the next generation of gaming was a great thing to be a part of. Hearing everyone's thoughts and opinions, it was just really great space to be in. So here's to another 100 episodes of Storyx Story. Keep doing what you're doing because it's the best. Hello, my Amada crew. Um, I'm Tom, the community manager for into Games. I help our community of fledgling game developers along in their journey into the games industry. My favorite medium of storytelling is, of course, games, uh, specifically horror games. They're something so immersive and playing a horror game compared to watching a film, and they allow the player to explore an emergent narrative all of their own. Can you tell I'm reading from a script? Um, <laughs> I really love the Story X Story podcast, not only for being a fun, entertaining podcast with a diverse range of hosts from all different backgrounds, but also because of the quality breakdown of fiction you discuss. Um, my favorite moment working with you guys was the whole Naruto run that ended up being cut from the episode I was on. Um, don't worry about it. It was so awkward. I could totally see why it was cut, but it was just a really enjoyable experience working with you guys. So, um, yeah, congratulations, and here's to another 100 episodes. Good luck, everyone.
1: Hi, I'm Gary Swaby, and I'm a writer and video games and literature journalist. My favorite genre medium for stories. It's quite difficult for me to say what my favorite genre medium is, and because uh, cause what I'm into changes like with my inspirations usually, but people know me for being very into role playing video games and uh fantasy books sci fi books. You know, that sort of thing. Um, I do love a good manga also. And I I like the kind of manga that messes you up psychologically. Um, Basically, I love any kind of storytelling that evokes a strong, deep or dark emotion from the consumer. Um, So, you know, any, any like, you know, medium, whether it's films, books, games, I'm just into a good story at the end of the day. So, uh, my highlights from being on the podcast, uh, I'd say one of my strongest memories of being on the story X story podcast was when we first reviewed, um, edge of tomorrow with Tom Cruise. And then in a later episode, we reviewed the manga, uh, which that film was based on. And the manga was called all you need is kill. And you know, not only did the podcast force me to experience this amazing Tom Cruise film that I wouldn't have seen otherwise, but I also got introduced to one of the best limited manga series that I've ever read, basically. So, um, I just love that, you know, um, Nigel, you know, he sends me, you know, these, these, uh, you know, stories or movies or books that, you know, um, he gives me the option basically of what, I could talk about on the podcast as a guest. And, you know, sometimes I haven't seen or, you know, read any of what he sends me, but I'm, you know, I'm open to it because it's a new experience. It's a new story. And, you know, within these stories, there's always something meaningful to extract that comes out through our discussions on the podcast. And that's what I love about Story X Story. It exposes us to to new stories that we might not have heard of. And through reviewing these films or books or games or, uh, and hearing, you know, someone else's perspective, we're suddenly able to extract that, that deeper meaning from something we might have once glossed over. And stories are a reflection of real life. So this podcast is like a safe haven to study some of these deeper themes that mean something to us all. And I have to thank both Nigel and Tazzy for keeping this going for 100 episodes. I love the show, guys, and uh, thanks for allowing me to, you know, be a part of this 100th episode.
2: Hi, I'm Erin Enrique Angelini, comic colorist and illustrator. It's very difficult to choose one favorite medium. I would say if I had to make a choice, I would go for comics and TTRPGs. I'm a huge fan of fantasy in every single genre in general. Um, A very special memory I have about the podcast is our Avatar The Last Airbender episode. It was absolutely hilarious. We had so much fun. And if I had to give a suggestion for the next 100 episodes, it's to keep channeling that vibrant, fun energy that you folks have. And yeah, keep sharing that. And thank you very much for having me on the show.